Welcome to the Gentle Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Donegan. I'm a midwife, mom, and founder of Gentle Birth. Join me each week to hear inspiring, uplifting birth stories, learn helpful tips, and get advice from parents and professionals supporting you on your journey to parenthood. Your positive birth begins here. Morning, Crystal. Lovely to have you here today. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, it's delightful to be talking to you. Um, so I, I guess I would say that I'm a little bit of a women's health geek. I could I can wear that with pride, I guess. I'm a physical therapist trained in, in pelvic health and a health coach. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I'm a yoga therapist with training in prenatal yoga and mindfulness. And my work is as the founder of Mindful Pain Relief. And I live in Michigan, on, in West Michigan, on the Big Lake, and I've got two amazing, beautiful girls, both gentle birth babies, and uh, my family, my family, I'm sad to say, feels complete, <laughs> and I live here uh, with my husband. Tell yeah. us a little bit about your birth experiences. Yeah, let's see. Um, you know, the funny thing about being pregnant for the first time and and moving through that for me it was really scary because of the fear of the unknowns i like to plan and i like to be prepared and kind of know what to expect and that was definitely the hardest part for me through the pregnancy was just accepting that there was no way to know yeah um what it was going to be like so and for me it was most scary because i was set up with like a traditional um, OB to deliver in our local hospital, which is, you know, got a great reputation and everything. But the unknowns mostly of being in the hospital setting were, were kind of overwhelming at times as far as making me anxious about, about the labor. And, you know, I, I actually went uh, the whole pregnancy without meeting my OB because she was always out like in surgery, she had to cancel our session. And it was at 36 weeks that I finally met her and went over my, my birth plan and her response to it just didn't feel right. And I had this gut instinct that just said, if it doesn't feel right now, it's not going to feel right when it comes time for this birth. So you should listen to this and make a switch. And I, I ended up doing that. And at 36 weeks switched to a midwife practice that delivers in the same hospital. And so, you know, I had this, amazing team that formed. I had a doula and this uh, amazing midwife group, um, a photographer, and then my husband. But it was still hard to, you know, prepare just to be exposed to the medical environment and, you know, to kind of stand my ground. At that time, I was really hopeful for a natural birth, a vaginal birth, and everything had been going on really healthily and, and normally. So, um, so I was prepared for that. And I, I did went through the gentle birth program. Um, at the time that was with your, the first book and in the audio tracks. And I listened to the tracks religiously and those really helped. Anytime I felt that little inkling of worry about the unknown, I could come back to my affirmations and it was truly an empowering experience to be able to do that. Please feel free to give your doula a shout out so we can uh, sh share her, her good news with everybody as well and oh, yeah. some, some work her way. But I just, just quickly going back to that moment that you had when you did finally get to meet with your obstetrician, I'm sure there are a lot of 
moms out there who've had a similar feeling where it's just been that good feeling of I'm not 100% sure about that this is the best person to support me in in this journey. So where do you think, I mean, I, and I, I know for a fact I've spoken to moms who've had this experience, but it's it's really unusual for for a mom to actually have the courage and it does take courage to to break up with your OB, especially so close to birth. Where do you think that courage came from? Well, through this experience, I learned that while most providers would say that they're supportive of whatever you want, I learned that it was feeling more like um, this particular OB was tolerant of my birth wishes, not actually supportive, not empowering me, not saying, well, that's interesting. Let's talk about it. Or, you know, her responses were um, almost like she felt threatened or um, like she didn't have time to deal with, (laughs) with, you know, the way that I wanted. And um, so I think for me, it was just this knowing that I could do it and, and that I wasn't doubting myself as much as I was doubting the influence of the team and the environment on me. And so it was just this courage to say, I know what I want. And, and this relationship is, is showing me that it's outside of that. And so Crystal, can I, can I ask you, because I'm sure we'll have listeners thinking, but maybe you're asking for something crazy. So Yeah. I mean, um, so when I did switch to the midwife group, they, you know, looked at my birth plan and said, this is all best practice. There's nothing here that, you know, should have warranted that type of response. So I was immediately put at ease. But the, in the conversation with the OB, it was actually saying that I wanted to be able to labor in any position of my choice. And, and she said, so you're telling me you want to be on your hands and knees? And I said, well, I actually don't know. I've never done this before. I have no idea what to expect. And I just want to know that you're going to support a mother-led labor and birth experience that if I want to be on my hands and knees, you'll say, let me help you get there. You know, Or if there's a problem with that, you'll educate me and then empower me to make the choice. And so, yeah, I don't feel like I was asking for anything otherwise crazy, you know, laboring on my own in positions of comfort, um, with my background as a physical therapist, you know, it was important to me to be in a, you know, gravity supported position and not on my back. And I really got the feeling she really wanted me to be on my back on the table and other requests like, you know, Hey, let's not break the table down because I'm not planning on needing you to be at the bottom of it like that, you know, yeah, that is, you know, best not, I wouldn't say best or maybe even common practice, but certainly I don't think it's too much of a stretch. But given that so many of our sessions were canceled because of surgeries, I think that she really probably has more experience in the surgical suite than she does with natural birthing mothers. So, you know, I think it was, I wish she had the courage to say, we're not a good fit, you know, instead of leading that, leading that up to me. Yeah. So I say, you just got to know what you want. And then be aware that some some providers are just tolerant. They're not actually supportive and that there's a big difference and it feels different when you're the when you're the mother on the receiving end of that. No, absolutely. And especially if you haven't had an opportunity to to meet with with your care provider on a regular basis so there's you can build that trust. Yes. And you know, I didn't know where to go, right? So at 36 weeks I'm like, well, I'm not going to do this. What am I going to do now? And that's where Brenda Barr, my doula, 
said, you know, I, I've, I've, you know, been in some births with these, this midwife group, and I think it's going to be a lot more supportive of what you want. And so she was the resource that helped me find them. And I'll be forever grateful, you know. And the difference was that when I, you know, we'll talk about my birth, but I'll go ahead and say that when I got into the birthing room with my first baby, my midwife said, this is your space. You do whatever you want. I'm going to be in the background. I'm here for you. If you need me, I'll be checking in on you. But otherwise, you just follow your body and you do what you need. And, you know, we started by with me sitting on the potty, you know. Right. <laughs> um, so and she was cool with with whatever I wanted to do. So it was great. And that's what I wanted. That felt very empowering. And this was with a midwife group, but you're still in the hospital. Yes. Okay. Yeah. In my town, we have a couple of groups that do that. And they're all trained nurse midwives. And then that hospital now has actually brought in their own team of midwives that they, that's a new part of their program. So it's good. Yeah, it's growing, which is really great. So yeah, so tell me, please, yeah, go on, tell us about that labor. Let's see. Well, my first baby was born in 2015. And she was um, a second round IVF baby. So we went through IVF once. And it was a failed attempt. And then we repeated, you know, another full cycle of IVF and we got pregnant. And so with her, my, you know, mind body practices and mindfulness of, of myself, my body and the baby, I really, really felt like I had created this strong connection and bond by the time it came to the end of the pregnancy. And it was my first baby. So I had time to do that. <laughs> uh, but I, I literally on my due date, uh, just, maybe it was the day before my due date, I just, you know, was resting and kind of had a, you know, a little meditation. And I just was looking inward towards my baby. We didn't know the gender. And I just said in a sort of whole body way, I'm ready. I'm ready for this. And I know in every cell of my body that I can do this and I'm ready for you and you're safe and, and we want you to join us. And I just sort of, you know, had that experience And then I went to sleep and about, you know, three in the morning, I had very mild cramps that started. And at first I was like, well, that's weird. Is this, I mean, it felt very menstrual, like, you know, very, very light. And I was really excited, like, oh, this isn't a big deal. I've totally got this birth thing, you know, and, but they did, they did increase. (laughs) Yeah. It, It slowly built, you know, into some, you know, real, you know, strong rolling surges, but in a very, you know, beginning, middle, end kind of way, like I had read in the books and stuff. So that was good. But one thing I didn't expect was a lot of back labor. And so I, I had doula support and she came to my house and was able to say, you know, let's try hands and knees and um, you know, let's try different positions to try to support the baby to move if that pain's related to her position. We didn't know it was a girl then, but so that was really supportive just to have somebody say, this is normal. You know, what you're, what you're experiencing is normal and need not worry about that. Let's just focus inward and keep breathing. So, I mean, most of the first birth I spent on my hands and knees alternated with walking and, and with a doula, with Brenda's help, it was, it was very very valuable to have someone say to me, you're doing amazing. You're doing great. And you can stay just like you are if you're comfortable. 
and things will keep going, kind of, you know, slowly progressing. And if you're really ready for things to move along, you have the ability to facilitate that by doing more movement. Let's walk. Let's do, can you go down a few stairs and back up? You know, just a real gentle invitation. Can we walk just across the room and back? And just that knowledge, okay, how am I doing? I get to choose. That was also really empowering, you know. And for that, I think what's necessary is the awareness skills to go inward, to ask myself, how am I? What's going on? What do I need? And then to check in with what I had a sense of my baby. Is my baby okay? Does my baby ready to move forward? You know, so, you know, that first birth was like 24 hours from beginning to end. And, and it just kind of progressed like that. But it was in this beautiful way where I felt like I had the tools, you know, as it continued to evolve and unfold in new ways for me, I felt like I had the tools to navigate it. We learned in retrospect that I have such good tools that I didn't get a sense of the urgency once I went through transition. So I, looking back, Brenda and I sort of got a sense of where transition was and I was sitting on my couch and mm-hmm. and the hospital is actually like a good, you know, 45 minutes away. And so the goal quickly became not to have the baby in the car. And, and so I had my tracks playing my gentle birth at that time. It was a CD and, and I had it on full blast. You know, my husband probably still has it memorized at this point, you know, and it really helped in the car with this birth, it was the middle of the night, it was dark, but it helped me to focus on staying at ease, easing body tension, you know, just not pushing the baby out, you know, cause that's what my body was really wanting to do. Yeah. And just to, just to stay in like a state of suspension, you know, yeah, and it's hard, especially in, when you're in the car. Yes. Well, I had my eyes closed. I had my body position fixed. You know, I didn't move. The back labor was just awful. I mean, there was a lot of discomfort, but it was either, you know, move to get away from discomfort and have the baby or stay in this inwardly focused state and just stay there. And, and that's what felt safe. That felt like, okay, I've got this and let me just try to maintain this. So, and then, and then I got there and, you know, we get there and this this person comes out of the hospital and says, well, come on, let's hop into the wheelchair. Let's get you up. And I was like, there's no way Jose, I can walk, you know, this baby is going to come out if I step a foot down. So we kind of rushed right up and things slowed down a little bit. And, and then, you know, I moved through a few positions and, and when it was time for her to be born, my team was there and and I was on my side and it was this experience of truly like using my body to birth the baby, you know, the breathing the baby out and the experience of pushing was so much exactly what I had quote unquote prepared for. You know, it was it was very much how you had described it in the track and and how I had some visualizations that I had created that were supporting me to try to control my body to help that. And when her head started to come through, you know, come through and there was that initial sort of stinging discomfort, I laughed out loud and I had the biggest smile on my face and I'll never forget the look of my team looking at me 
Cause they're looking at me like, what, what are you okay? You know? And I'm like, oh, is this it? Like, okay. From beginning to end, that's all this is going to be. Cause that fear of uncertainty is so raw constantly through the labor, right? Like, sure. okay, I'm okay. Now what's going to happen next? Nope. Let me stay where I am. Focus on this moment. And just that relief of like, okay, I did it, you know? And then of course I had to, you know, she, she had to come out, but, um, it was just that reassurance and just delight and relief. It was an amazing feeling that I'll never forget. So yeah, that was just, it sounds amazing. I'm sure everyone in the room was shocked watching you laughing, saying, Oh, is that all there was? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think the takeaway from that is really maybe for listeners, if you're pregnant, if you've never had the experience to really just bring awareness to what story you're telling yourself. And maybe it's conscious or unconscious, but if you kind of tame those thoughts and use your tools to help bring you back to the moment. And if, if nothing else, just your breath that, that you can, you can absolutely go breath to breath, contraction to contraction, moment to moment. And you go from beginning to end and then there you are and you're like, Oh, I'm done. Yeah. Not that it's not intense. It and, is intense. And that's why the, the practice, the daily practice is so important because it's it's very easy, you know, while we're sitting here having this conversation about, yeah, you've got to focus. And But for many of us, especially in our, you know, multitasking lives and, and constant distractions from phones and, and technology, that focus is actually a skill that, that you've got to practice throughout your pregnancy so that it is a tool that is available then to you on the day. Oh my goodness. I, yes, I agree so much because it's not like you're in an unfamiliar situation. You're having sensations in your body that you've never had before. You're not like, Oh, what was that thing that Tracy was saying? Let me try to remember that thing. Now you're not going to be able to do that. You've got to have familiarity and it's got to be on autopilot. And so the beautiful thing about mindfulness and the other tools are that they're applicable to your whole life, not just your labor at birth, how you respond to everything, mostly, you know, what's arising inside you. And so making it a practice through the pregnancy with all the things, you know, my husband puts the dishes on the counter instead of in the dishwasher and I light in flames inside, right? That's, and, and there we are working with the tools, you know? And, um, so absolutely it's gotta be really, you know, as much as, as a daily practice as it could be. And especially when, because as much as I, you know, I adore the tools preparing for birth, but I think even more so in the postpartum period, because as you said, we've got to be mindful and aware of the stories that we tell ourselves. And unfortunately, as, as mothers, new mothers, especially um, first time mothers, we tend to tell ourselves the most negative stories. And I think it does help us to really understand that thoughts are not facts. And if we mm. can approach them with a little bit of curiosity, then we can realize that, no, I'm, I'm not telling myself my truth here. Yes. And, in my little circle of friends, including myself, what I've noticed like literally this week maybe is, is a sense of overwhelm, you know, postpartum working full lives. Um, whether you're working or not, your life is still full. So that's not really relevant, but, um, and, and it's kind of, for me, what I'm sensing from, you know, my social group also is maybe a storyline of that. I need to be able to do it all. Yeah. 
And for myself, I've, I've sort of like, oh, like you said, let me be curious. What, what is driving this um, energy leak or this unnecessary stress in my life right now? And I've learned it's me, you know, and it's, it's my own expectations, which aren't actually kind or fair. And, and then I'm better served if I can work on shifting that expectation and being just more nice, you know, easing up a bit, letting yeah. go of that story. Yeah, self-compassion is, even though we all think we're, we're compassionate people, and but showing the same compassion to ourselves that we show to others is there's definitely a gap there for, uh, for first-time parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say too, speaking of, you know, postpartum and stuff like that, that with my second birth, which happened to be another girl who was conceived naturally, fortunately, I needed those tools through the labor and the birth, which was a lot more intense because it was consolidated. Like if the first birth was 24 hours, the second birth was about 12. And it progressed in much the same fashion. Unfortunately, we also stayed at my house too long. <laughs> and uh, we're very close to, you know, the whole time it was, oh, don't have the baby in the car. And I think from the time that I pulled up, like with screeching wheels to the hospital, 20 minutes later, you know, I was holding the baby. So it was really intense. And, and although I I knew what to expect with the sensations generally, you know, of birth, I wasn't prepared for how close the contractions would be and how little rest I would have in the second birth compared to the first. And so it's almost like that second time the tools were so much more important for me. And then postpartum, you know, I, I'll admit I had a slight touch of grief that my second birth wasn't like completely as controlled as my first. I don't think anybody in the room would agree with that, you know, would say that anything seemed out of control. But for me, I wanted to stay so present and it was happening so quickly that looking back, there's moments that, that are kind of a blur. And, and she was born on call. The sack sort of broke open as she was, you know, coming out. And the feeling of that was really foreign. It wasn't like a baby not in the sack. You know, it was kind of boggy, like birthing a balloon. Wow. So it was just different. And, and so I had to use my tools through the first I want to say maybe three months to come back to compassion for myself and and just sort of healing again, bringing awareness to a story that I had about how the birth would go and that it was a little different and that that's okay because I have my baby and I, I had this beautiful experience with her. So, yeah, so, um, I think that... What dilation were you when you arrived into the hospital? Oh, <laughs> well, for both of them, I was fully dilated and fully effaced, like wow. full stage, ready to go. And so I asked Brenda after the second one, I said, so gosh, you know, I guess I'm, I'm not really going to have a third birth, but if I did, I hope I'd get there sooner. You know, this must be a thing. Like how many other clients and she's, you know, a very experienced doula. She's had a many, many clients. How many clients have you had that have gotten to the hospital like that? And she was like, well, one person twice and it's you, you know? So I don't, I don't know if it's that common or not, but um, I was pretty much ready to go. One thing that we do tend to see with our gentle birth moms is that 
we don't often see transition as a midwife and a birth doula myself. And, and I, you know, I hear this from other doulas as well that, and this is one of the reasons why sometimes gentle birth moms are called sneaky birthers is because we don't tend for the most part to exhibit the outward signs of progress. So often we're kind of quite, quite quiet and focused and inward focused. So if you're a, a nurse or a doula that's kind of sitting there waiting on those signs, sometimes you're, you, it's too late when, uh, if we actually even do have those signs and, and mom has like progressed significantly just without a lot of the drama that we, we tend to see on again on, on TV. Yes. Yeah. In my home space and the hospital space were quiet and there was, you know, dimly, you know, the lights were kind of dim and, I just personally didn't, you know, really have a lot of music or anything. And it was just a very calm space. There was, I am quiet and focused and there wasn't very much noise. Yeah. And, and it did surprise my doula both times. Like, okay, you know, the second time, the first time we all unanimous, unanimously agreed when basically the uterine contractions were visible from the outside. We were like, oh, okay, that means we should go. The second birth, I, I was not scared and not overwhelmed, but I felt a feeling of uncertainty. And it was with like getting off the bed and walking like five steps, you know, like I need, I need that thing over there, but I don't think I can go get it. And I was like, okay, this is a sign that we need to get in the car. (laughs) Um, So I had to go outside of myself for the wisdom of like, it's time. Yeah. There wasn't anything in my body saying, you know, it's, it's really time. Yeah. So and did I you, think did that you, is did you really have a partner during all of this that was with you. Yes. Yeah, my husband is very supportive and was home and he was doing the things. You know, he was prepping some food and, you know, with my second birth, he was making sure that our other daughter was being cared for and stuff like that. So he sort of supported me to have that quiet inward space, which is what I asked for. Sure. And then how, and then the doula how, how did was he beside me with the drive to the hospital on the especially <laughs> the second time around. Uh, just gripping the steering wheel, you know, um, and the second time it, it was in the middle of the day, it was Valentine's day and it was like two o'clock in the afternoon and I felt so exposed. I felt so vulnerable. I'm like, everyone on the highway can see me, you know, in this moment that is so personal, you know, and so that was really interesting, but he, he did great. He was focused and he was quiet and you know, this time I had my earbuds in so he couldn't hear the tracks, but maybe he should have been hearing the tracks because I think that it, it helps, you know, everybody that's listening to them. Well, well, there is a mindful driving track now in the app, so Perfect. <laughs> maybe for the next time. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, so, Crystal, knowing what you know now and having gone through two quite different experiences, if you could go back in time to before your your first baby's birth what advice would you give yourself so i would i would say looking back that some of the wisdom i feel like i can stand more confidently in now i wish i had was to say yes to myself more with less guilt or pressure for that liminal stage of becoming but not yet you know of just resting when i needed to rest and being what i needed to be and you know, doing more of my meditation or my practice when I felt 
like I wanted that instead of all the things. And it's so hard to do that, that self-permission. But now as a mom of two with a really full, busy life, it's, it's hard, even harder, you know? So, yeah. you know, taking advantage of that then I think is just, it's really important that we prioritize ourselves and our needs and that we feel more confident speaking those needs, practicing them, saying yes to ourselves. It's a gift. And it's something that actually is a gift to the baby, you know? So I think that's really important. And the other thing would be to write down the birth story. So Brenda did this amazing job of keeping in her phone some notes about, you know, at this hour, at this minute, this happened. And she did that from, you know, screenshotting our text from the very beginning all the way through to the birth. And so I had like a rough outline that really helped me fill in the gaps. And But the birth story in general about my experience and how I felt and, and all that, it's just when it's fresh is the time to do it. And so I would say to try to make that happen, that's really important. But also, you know, if I could go back, that advice would be to know that it's normal to fear the unknown, but the unknown doesn't need to be feared. And that I can trust my body and that I can trust my team, you know, and like to listen within. I, I did get to, you know, have the team I wanted. With my second birth, it was all the same people. Um, and that I could trust them to be a guide. I could trust my body and I could trust my baby. And that I could trust the skills that I had developed that they would be there when I needed them. You know, I think that's that's really valuable wisdom. You know, if I could be myself now talking to myself, then that would be kind of what I would want to hear. Part of our philosophy at Gentleworth is to always try to inspire and, and uplift expectant parents around the world. So what message do you think every woman and her partner should hear today about giving birth? Hmm. Stand confidently in what is right for you, your baby, your body, your coupleship and ask for what you need. And if you're not receiving the response that feels supportive of that, to keep looking because there's so many providers that are not only supportive of whatever the birth is that you want, but it makes them happy and brings them joy to help you get it. And also to know that you're capable of so much more you know, until you're put to the test, you don't know. You can trust that you're capable of so much more than you think you are when you're yes. resourced. It's something that I'm always saying to our gentle birth mom, that you really are stronger than you think. Mm -hmm. we, we tend to, as women, I think we tend to, tend to downplay our strength. Right. Yes. Absolutely. So much stronger. Crystal, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your really inspiring birth stories and telling us about your doula, Brenda Barr. So just tell us a little bit more about if what, what you're doing with your life now and if you want to share some resources with our listeners, that would be great. My, my birth had a big influence on my life for um, confirming a practice that I was already doing, you know, as a, as a yoga therapist, mindfulness teacher, mind body practitioner, when I was looking for a resource to support me through my birth, I was looking for exactly what gentle birth offered because, because it's something I already knew within myself would work. 
then using the tools and then going through the experience of birth really affirmed that it was an area of growth and exploration that I was really passionate about. And so I currently lead women to overcome chronic pain and not just the physical pain, but the emotional suffering related to that at mindfulpainrelief.org. And it was an evolution of building skills that continue to support women. It's a women focus practice and not through, you know, what we would consider more like acute pain with birth, but more through chronic pain. So when pain is a part of your daily life, how you relate to that and how you can develop tools that can change the way the brain processes pain signals so that when you're in chronic pain, it continues to sense greater pain even though nothing's changing if you don't have skills to work with it. So mindfulpainrelief.org is is kind of all-consuming. It's my new baby. I say it's my third baby. And um, it's really a bridge between, you know, the Western sciences and the Eastern holistic wisdom of mind-body practices and tools. And I, I love to talk about a fashionable tool bag that ladies need for their tools and the sort of functional medicine approach of how lifestyle medicine changes the influences of, of chronic pain for each woman. So, you know, if you're interested in learning more about that, particularly if you've had any type of um, birth trauma or pelvic pain, vulvodynia, you know, anything like that, that you come back to and remember after your birth, if you're having some discomfort and want to continue to add tools in a, in a slightly different way, you know, you can come to mindfulpainrelief.org and, and check that out. Or if you know someone in your life that has persistent back pain or joint pain or something, you can share it with them. Fantastic. And, and such an, a, a much needed resource for women, I think as well. And uh, especially these days with the, the rates of chronic pain, uh, I would love to have you back on again um, in the future to talk about more about the, you know, having a healthy pelvic floor in pregnancy and protecting your pelvic floor and uh, and into the postpartum period. That would be, I think our listeners would be really interested to hear that as well. Oh, it would be an honor. I would love that. Crystal, thank you again. I look forward to talking to you again very soon. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor. Thank you, Crystal. <laughs> 